Thank you for joining us for Preach Impediment as we study the word reconciliation. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Before we get started in today's topic, let me remind you to go and check out EdenHollow.com. This is the company I started to start publishing some Bible study guides and spiritual books, but we're starting to branch out into some fiction and even talking to some other authors. We'd love to have you check out what's going on at EdenHollow.com. Now let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to Preach Impediments. I am excited to share Jared Hagen with you today. He is a preacher at the Northside Church in Colorado Springs, and he is just a fantastic student of the Bible. He and his wife, Bonnie, have been there for 25 years, so very obviously they are good at building relationships with people to be able to serve a congregation for that long and to be able to continue to have great relationship with the congregation where they're serving. So he and I are going to be discussing a very relationship type word, the word reconciliation. Let's dig in. Uh, we have decided to talk about the idea of reconciliation and what the Bible teaches about reconciliation. But before we do that, we need to give a good definition. So how would you, in pretty simple terms, define reconciliation? So if I were to define reconciliation, uh, the simplest way is just getting back together. I, I, I think this is a great word to look and to try to simplify. I looked on Google and I was just like, how are people using reconciliation today? The first page was nothing but defining it. That's how we use it. We use it to define it. Yeah. Until I got down about halfway and there was a gossip page. And it, it was about a particular actor saying, we're not going to get back together. And that's really what it is, is reconciliation is about getting back together. It's about restoring a relationship. Um, you can see this in, in multiple examples in the Bible. In Acts chapter 7, verse 26, it's Moses, and he's got two Hebrews fighting with one another. And it says he wants to reconcile them and says, why are you fighting? He wants to take them from a fighting relationship to a restored brotherly relationship. In 1 Corinthians 7, it's about a, a, an op option that a woman has, that if she has left her husband, she either needs to stay unmarried or she can be reconciled. She can go back to a married and hopefully better relationship with her spouse. So really, it's that's, that's the what we're looking at is it's a term that's saying we can have a restored relationship with God. We can get back together with him. Well, I think probably, at least in everyday language, that's one of the only contexts we use this word would, would be in marriage or in the, the restoring of a broken marriage. We talk about two parties being reconciled. That, that's the way we use this term. And I like how you point out, so does the Bible. Like It's, <laughs> it's really not a special word. It's just a normal yeah. word to mean bringing two broken parts of a relationship back into a whole relationship. 
So what are all the ways that the Bible would use this? Like what type of relationships do you find needing reconciliation in Scripture? So the Bible doesn't use it all that often. If we go back to the Old Testament and allow ourselves to use the Septuagint a little bit to kind of use similar similar words to know we're talking about the same thing. Philistine leaders were really worried about it when they were going to fight against King Saul and David was going to join them. They were saying, no, David can't join us because on the battlefield he may turn against us to reconcile himself with Saul. And so they were looking at it saying it could be something between a, a king and one of his subjects where the king is angry and trying to kill his subject. David is on the run and say that relationship could be restored. And then, then you have the examples I've already given of two brothers, same nationality, same relationship. And then you have husband and wife. And then the other one, the one that's used the most frequently is our relationship with God. That's the one that you know, Romans is going to use and, and second Corinthians is going to use the most is, is the relationship between man and God being restored. So you mentioned second Corinthians there, and that is the, the passage I thought of first, whenever we first started thinking about doing this, let me read the passage. This is second Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 16. Now we probably could read much more of the chapter, but I'm, I'm going to choose to start at verse 16. Right. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. If we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, or excuse me, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He who... He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Give us, break down this passage for us a little bit and help us to understand what all is being said here about reconciliation. So he's talking about our relationship to Jesus, right? And what Jesus has done for us. And when he's getting to verses 18 through 21, he's really talking about the significance of Jesus' sacrifice, that that sacrifice is meant to restore the relationship we have with God. And what's really significant here is that God is the one who is doing it. So it, when we have this broken relationship with God, it's, it's not something where we, we decided we were going to live in sin, we leave God, and then someday we decide we're going to come back and we're just welcomed back. It is this broken relationship needed something to fix it, and God's the one who's offering that up to us. And so it is in verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. So God is the one who has given us an opportunity to get back to him. 
And now he's giving us the message, and this is the core of, of what Christianity is. This gospel message is you can get back together with God. You can come back and have a restored relationship with him, a blessed relationship with him. And then in verse 20, having emphasized this is the message, this is God's work, he then calls on us. He says, do something about it. Be reconciled to God. He's offered it to you. This is this incredible opportunity. Don't waste it. And so we find that, yes, God's starting the work. God's done something we could not have done, offering up his son as a, as a way to fix the relationship. But the responsibility ultimately is going to fall on us to respond and to answer and say, God, I want to no longer be your enemy. I want to no longer hurt you. I want I want to be your child. I want to be with you. One of the great things about the gospel is, is that we have a broken relationship with God and he is welcoming us back. He is taking us back. And God is so eager to take us back. And really the struggle isn't on his end at all. It's on ours to, to really be willing to give up the things that we've been doing to anger him, the sins that we've been embracing. It's all on us. He's just so eager that he offered up his own son and he is welcoming us with open arms, begging us, begging us to be reconciled. In this relationship with God, as Paul describes here, God is the one who makes us new and mm -hmm. then he takes us back. So it, it's one of those, uh, you know, God does the work on both sides of the table here as opposed to, you know, in, in our human relationship each side has to essentially meet in the middle. We can't meet in the middle with God. So God does the work on both sides of the table by making us new and then calls us to live up to this new creature that he has made us. Right. He's laid out the path. He said, this is what you can do. This is how to be in this new relationship with me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, that's where... I think it makes the message of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation all the more exciting because uh, could you imagine if our job was to go out into the world and say, hey, if you can live perfectly, you can go to heaven. How's right. that going to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how many people see it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to add to it that... that um, you know, there are a lot of different terms that are used for salvation, and I bet you're going to do a lot of them on this podcast because they need defining. They need simplifying so people can understand them. There are a few that I kind of, I don't know if it's the best terminology, but I refer to them as romantic terms for salvation because they're about love. They're about relationship. So many of the terms are about me. Uh, they're they're a, a self focus, not in a, not in a bad way. Not it's not bad. They're still terms for salvation, but to be saved means to be made well or, or healthy, right or whole. Uh, to be justified is to be right. Uh, but reconciliation and adoption are these two terms that are romantic terms for salvation because they're about love. They're about relationship, and if we don't get that concept, it. Uh, taints the way we view heaven. We view heaven as um, I was made pure, I was made holy, and now I belong and I'm going to go up and I'm going to have a golf course all to myself and I will go golfing or I will go fishing and it's all about me. 
But the real message of the gospel is it's about a restoration of a relationship. It's a, a ministry of reconciliation. It's about us. It's about me being restored to God. And now heaven isn't just, well, I'm good enough to be in a great place. It's about, I get to go be with my father. I get to go be with the creator. And so then you see in Revelation where it's, I get to see his face. He's going to wipe away every tear. He's, I'm not going to need a, a temple because he will be there. I'm not going to need, there will be no night because he will be there. And so that's one of the great things about the reconciliation message. And it's really important is because it's really about us and God, not just I'm now good enough. I can be in heaven. And isn't it fascinating that, that most of us start coming back to God from that selfish perspective, from that recognition that I have this sin and I, I am in, I'm doomed more than I'm really worried about how God feels right now. I'm really worried about my relationship with him. Most of us start there. And it's fascinating then that God is so eager and so willing to bring us back when our start back isn't from the most purest and noblest of, of directions or attitudes, but he is, uh, he's been so incredibly merciful and loving. And that's why it is such good news. Uh, this broken relationship with God, we talk about a husband and wife, you know, where the, the husband is cheated. That just doesn't even begin to really describe how broken our relationship with God is. I didn't cheat against God once or twice. I didn't do it accidentally. This was intentional, rebellious, willful for years and years and years, constant stuff. And yet God is eagerly wanting to bring us back. It is such good news that we can get back together with God. So let me let me switch gears a little bit here. Uh, yeah, we're we're talking about uh, reconciliation and the and the whole idea of of just what that looks like. And we're talking about giving that message out. So, in your experience, how do we do that? How do we share? specifically the message of reconciliation with maybe a world that doesn't know God and doesn't really understand that they need to be reconciled to God. Well, I think you just hit on, on the challenge that's in front of us is that most people that we run into are not going through life in a panic as though they realize that they have this great need and they have this great problem. One of the things for us to do in this message of reconciliation is to begin with an understanding of, of a broken relationship, to express to people the real consequence of sin, and that their relationship with God is broken and there's horrible consequences to that. Um, you, you really can't get to the good news until you've explained the bad news. And until people understand that, they can't really rejoice at what God is offering them. So that's our challenge, is to express to people what we're really doing to God. I was doing that just last night with somebody. I was sitting down, we were talking about um, whether he should follow Jesus or not. And he was thinking about what sort of um, things he might have to give up. And that's that's a good thing to be looking at to count the cost but i wanted to rephrase it i wanted to think of it less about what do i have to give up and start thinking about what am i doing that is angering god that is breaking this relationship and keeping me from him and that that changes it so now it's not what am i sacrificing but more what am i doing 
and and what is the consequence of what I'm doing? Well, what I, looking at this this chapter while while you were talking there, it is interesting to me just exactly how Paul does that. You know, here now again, Second Corinthians is not written to the world; it's not written to a bunch of non Christians. So it's going to be limited in its, in its approach of doing that. But it is interesting to me that here, just in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about how we groan while we're inside the flesh, you know, back in verse 4. So, you know, just talking about how imperfect life is and that we don't find satisfaction here and that this isn't really where we're supposed to find joy and happiness. He moves down to verse 10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So now we've got the message of dealing not just with the imperfections of life, but the imperfections of our soul, uh, that, that we're going to appear before God regarding the things we've done. Now he has encapsulated this or en enveloped this with loving statements about the good work God is doing. But it is interesting there, verse 11, and this, this is the part that I think we miss sometimes. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. Right. Let me show you another example of that. Uh, so it's not going to use the term reconciliation, but it's the first real example of reconciliation. It's in Acts chapter 2. It's Peter's sermon. Right. And when Peter gets done with his sermon, he has accomplished something to where the people are cut to the quick, right? So it says in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? What had Peter done to get them to that point? And, and we could look at most of the sermon is Peter establishing that Jesus was, uh, is the son of God and that, uh, Everything that has happened to him is according to the plan of God and that Jesus is now ruling. All of that's true. All of that's in there, but that's not what pierces them. What pierces them, what gets them to a point of fear and a realization we need to change is coming at the end of his sermon. And what he does in Acts 2 verse 34, he says, For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. He has just told them not just the truth of Jesus as the Son of God, as having died and having been resurrected. He's told them, and now he rules, and what he rules to do is to win. He rules until his enemies are conquered. And you are the ones who killed him. You are the enemies. And that's where he really, really pierces their hearts and gets them when they realize, okay, yes, Jesus is the plan. And I'm on the opposite end of the plan. I'm on this point where God is against me rather than for me unless I change. And so now they're saying, what can we do? They're, they're in a desperate situation. And by the old law, there was nothing they could do. There was no sacrifice. There was no, um, no prayer or anything else you could do for somebody who had murdered someone. 
There was no, no, no bribe, nothing that could be offered. So when they're asking, what can we do? It is an absolute fear. And so then you have this really great message and it is, it's not all that complicated. Repent yeah. and let each one of you be baptized. I mean, it could have been anything. And that's all he's asking for to fix this relationship. The fear of God is something that has been completely removed from society. And unfortunately, even within the church, we're, we're afraid of the term fear of God. Yeah. And it, it is at the core of what gets us moving. Yeah. Now, hopefully we have greater motivation and we have the love of God, but you can and should have both. We are honored that you joined us today at Preach Impediment, and we hope our discussion of the word reconciliation has been helpful to you, maybe challenging for you as we've considered what it means to rebuild or be brought back into a right relationship with God. If you've got questions about the things we've talked about today, I encourage you to reach out to me. You can find my contact information at preachimpediments.com. And I hope you'll check us out there and maybe even check out previous episodes. I hope you will join us on Thursday for a follow-up episode where I will spend some time talking more about the concept of reconciliation. Until then, 